Organizers say more than 1.4 million people have taken part in demonstrations against the far right across Germany. It's the largest social movement in the country in decades. Weekend after weekend, through the cold and wet of a North German winter, hundreds of thousands are taking to the streets. But there is so much, and not only here, but until the time, that is unbelievable. Welcome to On Strike, a production of Workers Strike Back. I'm Bia Lacombe. And I'm Shama Sawant. The weekend of 19th to the 21st of January saw over a million and a half people protesting in Germany, bringing entire cities to a standstill in what became the largest wave of protests in the history of the country. Cities like Berlin, Hamburg, and Munich each saw hundreds of thousands of protesters out on the streets. The protests were a result of widespread outrage at horrific anti-immigrant deportation plans by the so-called Alternative for Germany, or AFDI for short, a right-wing populist party, and against the overall shift to the right by the establishment parties in the country. The protests were sparked when an investigative journalist website called Corrective.org reported on a meeting where fascists, representatives of the AFDI, and other political figures discussed plans for, quote-unquote, mass remigration. In other words, the mass expulsion or deportation of people with a migrant background. For a lot of working and young people in Germany, these utterly repugnant ideas are eerily reminiscent of the Nazi era. And in fact, there's a frightening historical parallel between this recent meeting of the right wing and the one in the 1930s involving the Nazis. I'm actually demonstrating for the first time in my life. I myself find it threatening. I know stories from the Nazi era from my grandfather, and I don't want that to happen again. You now hear people uh, fantasizing about deporting millions of Germans and migrants in Germany to other countries, wherever it is. That, I mean, it resonates directly to history. We've been there already, you know. And you could stop them this time? I, I hope, we have to. The protests have since continued into their fourth week with hundreds of thousands of people still marching in the streets. To help us understand more about what's happening in Germany, the way forward for the protest movement, and why this matters for working and young people in the United States and globally, we're fortunate to have with us today Klaus Ludwig, a member of Socialist Alternative in Germany, a sister organization of Socialist Alternative here in the US. Klaus is a union activist in the public sector and the editor of Socialismus.info, the online and printed newspaper of Socialist Alternative in Germany. Klaus was active in the anti-fascist movement in the early 1990s, and at that time, co-founded the Youth Against Racism movement in Europe. He is the author of a book titled Firebugs, about the rise of the AFD, published in 2017. He was also a council member in the city of Cologne for the Linke, or the left party in Germany, from 2004 to 2014. But before we start our conversation with Klaus, I want to talk about the Workers' Strike Back membership drive. Become a member now to help ensure Worker Strike Back can continue to organize to rebuild a fighting labor movement, and that On Strike can continue to bring you coverage of a wide range of issues from a working class perspective you won't find on mainstream media. On Strike doesn't run any ads, we don't accept any corporate money, 
and we rely entirely on donations from working people to support our work. You're not alone, right? You're not just sitting on your couch, doom scrolling, um, reading all these different terrible news stories alone, that there are thousands and in reality, millions of working class people who feel just as frustrated and also want to see a path forward, who know that higher wages, high quality health care and high quality housing are totally possible. We're building on the example of the past decade in Seattle on a national scale to widen and strengthen the class struggle. Who here wants to be a part of that movement? Go to workerstrikeback.org and click on become a member. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe to this channel. Let's start our discussion on the historic protests against the right wing in Germany. Welcome, Klaus. It's so great to have you with us. Hi. First, can you tell us more about how these protests came about and how they are connected to the rise of right wing politics in Germany? Um, the AFD have been on the rise for uh, quite some years. And they got stronger and stronger. At the same time, they went more to the right. They started like as a neoliberal, a bit right-wing populist party. But the, um, the pre-fascist and the fascist wing in this party got more and more power and drove out the moderate right-wingers in the party. So for many years, people are worried about the rise of the AFD, which is not a like not a German. Uh, uh, issue. It's uh, all over the Europe and more countries that uh, populist, the so-called right-wing populist uh, gain strength. What really sparked this movement was this so-called remigration uh, uh, re uh, re conference you mentioned before. Um, they were talking about deporting not only people with a non-German passport, they were also talking about to deport people who have a German passport and uh, have been living here for years or since they were born because of their foreign origin. And they even talked about deporting Germans who support foreigners, refugees, stuff like this. And, you know, if it comes to deportation and the plans of the German right wing, it's not only about deportation because they started tell, telling the people we want to deport the Jews. And they killed them all. So it's it's a fear not only of deportation. It's a fear of a new mass murder. And I'm not saying this is going to happen in the near future. And people don't think it's going to happen in the near future. But it resembles these memories of a very murderous right-wing movement. And that really sparked these protests. And actually, uh, we are going to focus most of this uh, conversation on this alarming rise of right-wing populism, as you said, not just in Germany, but throughout uh, countries in Europe and actually globally. We're going to come back to that. But uh, first, tell us who has been organizing the protest movement and are the protests being organized and led by politicians or any political parties? And what are the demands, if any, that are being put forward by the movement? Oh, it well, it differed from city to city. Like everyone who called the demonstration, especially in the first one or two weeks, would uh, spark a mass demo. So some were organized, like by politicians, even from the bourgeois uh, neoliberal parties, from the mayors of a city, stuff like this. But some have been organized just by ordinary people calling for a demo and thousands and ten thousands turn up and some have been also organized by left-wing anti-racist forces which 
on the demos, on the very first demos, didn't only criticize or fight against the, the right-wing populists, but also criticized the bourgeois parties, uh, the, the established parties, for their racist policies they pursue. So it was very mixed. Everyone who would uh, make a call, come and demonstrate against the right wing, got some uh, uh, many followers. So, and this has been going on for some weeks. But basically now the the protests become a bit smaller because it cannot go on demonstrating all the time. Uh, and um, so also the demands are very mixed. So everyone wants to uh, express to be against the right wing. So a very popular slogan was, this city, like Cologne, all of Cologne hates the AFD. Berlin hates the AFD. That was the chant as thousands made their voices heard under the lights of the city hall. So it's a very basic political slogan. Um, to, but to express we are united against them, they were slogans raised to ban the AFD through the state, which we are kind of critical of, because the state has no interest at that time to, to illegalize them. It's a party which has 23% in current polls. You can't just say, say we're banning this party. What is needed is an actual program which can serve all people, which can make a, is a program for working rights in Germany. And maybe we can, can come later up onto this. But there were also demands like deportations should, should be stopped there should be more rights for immigrants and there should be uh, uh, like better living condition for us all, for all of us not to to uh, make it possible for the right wing to to separate us and to put us against each other i wanted to yeah i wanted to ask because we've got this incredible situation now in germany where the anger against the afd's horrendous anti-immigration plans uh, anti-immigrant plans have led to the largest protest movement in German history, obviously a very important progressive development. But at the same time, the right-wing populist AFD has become the second strongest party in the polls and the strongest party in Eastern Germany. Can you tell us more about the other major political parties in Germany and, and their position on the immigration issue? Yeah, that's a problem because what they did for years, they put AFD policies into practice, like when the, the AFD had their so-called remigration, remigration uh, uh, conference, at the same time, the Chancellor Scholz from the Social Democratic Party was publicly arguing, we have to deport much more people than we did before. And they um, did another attack on the rights of refugees and cut the money they get, uh, the subsidy, the, the money they get to, to survive. And they now go. Uh, they move to take away cash from them and give them a card so they can only buy in certain shops. Uh, they can't buy the the cheap food, and it's made much more easier to deport them. Like they can come at night without any warning. They can put you for a longer period into a kind of prison before you're being deported, although you did nothing wrong. And um, so it's real brutal policies. They all parties, apart from the left party, the Greens do it, the Social Democrats, the Conservatives, the Liberals, all agree to throw out uh, illegal foreigners or people who get no asylum out of the country. And at the same time, the whole European Union is uh, like building the fortress Europe against 
migrants. And still there are so many people dying in the Mediterranean by trying to cross uh, the sea from, from Africa to Europe. And there's no help for them. And it's they just block Europe. So it's a very brutal policy, which really helped the AFD to develop because people would see, okay, every party does it. So it cannot be that wrong to go against immigrants. It, there must be some, some reasons for that. And there's also a, like an ongoing campaign in the media and by the uh, establishment parties that... Uh, the country is full. We cannot take migrants anymore. It's too expensive. All this propaganda. And this really helped the AFD to build and to uh, to get a legitimate, uh, okay, a very difficult word, uh, to get their politics look like legitimate in the eyes of right. the masses. So, and, uh, and that's an important reason why at every demo we should make criticism on the ruling parties and say, you have no alternatives and you're doing not, not, it's not the same. It's not the same when bourgeois parties deport migrants or when the fascists have their fantasies about uh, to change the whole population, but it's going in this direction. So, Klaus, you mentioned earlier that Socialist Alternative in Germany is not calling for and, and is a bit critical of the call to ban the AFD. And I think this is really interesting and will be interesting to viewers in the, in the U.S. and elsewhere facing these uh, right-wing forces. So I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit more about why you're critical um, of that particular demand. Yeah, if, if a real ban would be done, if the fascists would be really illegalized by the state and then smashed all their money seized, stuff like this, we wouldn't definitely not be against it. But that's not what's going to happen because the AFD will be seen by many in the Christian Democrats and other bourgeois parties as potential partners for coalitions. Maybe if they are tamed a bit. On legal terms, a ban to set through a ban against a political party in Germany would take years. So if the movement would concentrate or would put this as a main demand to ban the party, it would take a long time and the outcome would be completely open. And this could help even for them to build in these times because we need immediate action against the right wing and immediate alternatives. And a ban could... Um, divert from that. And we also have a history of laws which have been introduced against the right-wing terrorists in Germany, which have been more and more used against left-wingers. And uh, so very few right-wing, even uh, violent groups have been banned. But at the same time, these laws have been used like against climate activists who blocked the streets and help them to to put higher uh, like um, fines on them, or put all the people under surveillance who are in this group. So this state and these parties ruling the state cannot be trusted to go against the right wing populist. They will also use it to establish their power and to strike blows against the left and maybe also against uh, the workers' movement if they go on strike, if they block factories, stuff like this. So we have to be quite careful. So definitely we're not calling don't ban them. That would be stupid. But we don't put this forward as the main 
issue and we concentrate on what we can do. What can the working class do? What can the youth do to, to stop them? I think that's a very important explanation you're providing, Klaus, for a lot of our viewers who might uh, initially think that, well, isn't it correct to then make that a main demand for the movement to ban this uh, really odious party with its uh, horrendous policies that it's putting forward. But as you explain, one reason why Socialist Alternative has this more developed position on this is that actually these kinds of repressive policies like bans, uh, all of history, and this is true of the history in the United States as well, that they are primarily and principally used against the left. They become an excuse to crack down on the left. I think that's a uh, an important part of history, and I feel like it would be good for us to uh, say more about this history in one of our follow-up episodes of On Strike. And then the other point you made actually also uh, really resonates with what's happening right now in U.S. politics, which is that in reality, Trump's rise and Trump's uh, cachet among working people who are frustrated by all establishment parties, all of whom have completely failed them, uh, has actually been uh, enhanced by the lawsuits that have been brought against him by banning him on Twitter, all of it which is helping him look like he's anti-establishment, you know, more so than before even, and strengthening his position on, uh, you know, strengthening his position in, in the base. And so I think it, all of this also leads us to, uh, I think uh, what we're going to uh, bring up in this conversation is about what is what are the actual demands we should be bringing forward to the movement that can really succeed in defeating the right wing. But before we come to that, Bia, you had a question. Well, I was going to say I was just thinking the same things about how all of these legal challenges and attempts to ban Trump from the ballot in primary states hasn't uh, so far stopped him from becoming the likely Republican candidate, has not um, stopped him from gaining in popularity and, and becoming more, appearing more anti-establishment. Um, but Klaus, sounds like what you're saying is that there are, that you're pointing to deeper and more longstanding reasons for the rise of the far right in Germany. Um, what would you say those reasons are? And, and would you say it's linked with the economic and social policies of these establishment parties? Definitely, definitely. They, the AfD um, presents itself as the only anti-establishment force. And that really helped them because there's a lot of frustration about stagnating income or even shrinking income um, fired by the inflation. There is uh, a lack of affordable housing and all kind of fears which the bourgeois parties don't answer. And even the AFD presents themselves as being anti-war. Like they are the, a party which uh, is not in favor of equipping Ukraine with weapons. And they call for like kind of uh, a peace with Russia, which, uh, yeah, they can reach some people by that. It's demagogics they are going for uh, in their, uh, in, their in the future. They would be the, the militarists and those who are driving towards confrontation. But in this conjuncture, they can present it themselves uh, in this in uh, in this light and there you have another reason because we have seen a rise of nationalism in germany over years and a rise of like anti-russian propaganda not it's it's not only against the putin regime but it's against russians in itself uh, against the people it's uh 
uh, an imperialist mobilization of all establishment parties. And in a way, the Greens, who used to be left, liberal stuff, they are they are on in the lead of this nationalist campaign and calling for massive armament, more money for the military, prepare for wars against our enemies like Russia, stuff like this. And this wave of nationalism also helps to the right-wing populists and the fascist forces to develop. It's a, like a fertile ground where they can grow on. They can at the one hand, tap into the frustration about the insecure situation and on the other hand, ideologically profit from nationalism and racism being nurtured by the other parties. You're, You're making a very important point about how the establishment parties have failed working people in so many different dimensions. On the one hand, you're seeing all the establishment parties in Germany, for example, participating in this fomenting of nationalist sentiment, which is actually, uh, you know, the, the, the big reason why they're doing that is sort of it's to deflect away from the genuine frustrations of working people in Germany where they are struggling with the cost of living crisis, a crumbling infrastructure, and uh, attacks on the on uh, social funding for various uh, needs like healthcare, education, and so on. Uh, we're seeing a similar phenomenon in the U.S. as well, where in cities like Chicago, New York, Seattle, where we you know in Seattle where we are located, working class and poor people le- reeling under similar attacks like skyrocketing rents and a housing crisis while at the same time there are more billionaires than ever. And I think all of this points towards uh, really understanding why this alarming development of the rise of the right is happening, whether it's in Germany or in the United States with the whole Trump phenomenon. And in fact, as we said earlier, there's a real prospect of a second Trump election that can happen, but which is being fueled by mass anger at Biden and the Democrats for similar reasons. Uh, I, I wonder if you could uh, talk about how um, how it's played out in terms of the left party in Germany. In Germany, you have the Linke, the left party, which if you if you ask any just you know, ordinary person if, and if they hear the term left party, you would think this is a party which ought to be fighting back against the attacks on working class people and defending against the attacks on immigrants. What has the role actually been of the Linke or the left party in all this? This is a very complicated issue. The left party for a time was an important factor to block the rise of the far right in Germany because uh, it came into existence in the middle uh, 2005 up to, to 2007. And then it really was an anti, it was seen as an anti-establishment force which put forward all the necessary demands uh, to redistribution of wealth, to tax the rich, to uh, to raise the minimum wage, stuff like this. And many workers and young people were so lucky for the first time to have uh, a strong anti-establishment left-wing party in parliament, which uh, like brought out a lot of arguments and um, and material which people used to argue against the bourgeois parties. But it also was, uh, as we said from the very beginning, it was two parties in one. It was a fighting uh, anti-capitalist and uh, rank and file 
a wing in it and there was also a wing in it which orientated towards like parliamentarism just as a as a goal in itself like a looking for forward to go into coalitions with the SPD and the Greens and try to the kind of progressive policies, maybe comparable to left-wing Democrats, people who still uh, um, stay with the Democrats and are not breaking with them. So, so the left party made quite contradictory policies. At the one hand, they were they took part in like demos, organizing resistance stuff like this. On the other hand, they took part in federal state government governments, which pursued the same policies that the bourgeois did, like selling off public housing to private companies, um, doing social cuts, and presenting no alternatives at all. And this meant, and especially this was stronger in the east. And this meant they lost their role as an anti-establishment force. And it got more complicated in the last years because a new wing developed, which had some social demands, but at the same time was in favor of anti-immigrant policies. And now they split this group around a famous figure in the party, uh, Sarah Wagenknecht, her name, and they... Uh, they set up their own party but this, this really led to confusion because a lot of young people didn't want to vote for the left party anymore because they see there are racists inside the party and others were confused because the party was weakened and had factional struggles for a long time so this meant uh, that when the left party lost its role as a block against uh, the right-wing populist and as a force with where people would put hopes in it it made it much more easier for the right wing to present themselves as an anti-establishment party and to to gain voters frustrated people yeah it, it doesn't mean that the left party is history it still exists is in parliament they get around three four percent in opinion polls on a national level there are is a layer of new activists which join now and they are present on the demonstrations so on they did some good things in supporting strikes and organizing of workers but this is now limited and we are not sure what comes out of it they spoiled a lot of opportunities and at this conjuncture, it's an open question if the left party can become again a kind of alternative against the right wing, because they are not very prominent in these demonstrations. They are very like silent, a bit uh, reluctant. So it's not a dynamic force at this moment in time. So Klaus, in the face of this disarray of supposed left leadership, how do we fight back? Um, what's needed to defeat the right wing? How can we you know, build working class unity between immigrants and native born workers against the right wing and all of these attacks? The first phase of mobilization now, I think, comes to an end. Now we have to prepare for the next phases of mobilization. And this will uh, come up uh, during the Euro elections that will be in the beginning of June and federal state elections in the East, which will be in September. We have really to build for demos, for blocking 
like uh, uh, propaganda marches of the right wing, stuff like this. But the main issue must be to have an alternative program to counter their propaganda. The demonstrations were so huge, but the AFD lost only a few percent in, in uh, opinion polls. And maybe some of the fringe around them might be uh, get, they, we might reach out to them with the demos, but the core of supporters, we won't reach out to with the demos. They won't be impressed by that. And that means to build for an alternative, to have a program, a social program, which uh, is also c against um, the government policies, which are a stepping up with social attacks, which did nothing over the last year to solve the, the, the multiple crises in housing, in healthcare, in uh, low paid wages, and the collapse of infrastructure like uh, uh, public transport. And they do not invest anything uh, in climate change. They just stopped it. They just go on with burning fuels and producing cars. Um, so there's no uh, way life gets better under this government. And so we have to have a clear program on that. And then it's a question who demonstrates, who mobilizes, who mobilizes. And it's absolutely crucial that the unions play an independent role in that. They, they went to the demos, they mobilized for the demos, but they um, up until now didn't play a real independent role. And there was one call at a demo in Cologne made by the local uh, trade union federation said we should go for a 15 minute strike in all over Germany against the right wing. And this was a, you know, 15 minutes is very, very limited. But to have a strike, a political strike against the right wing in Germany, that would be a huge step forward, a huge step. It would really change the situation in many factories. You can discuss on that, you can build for that. But I think the bureaucrats less themselves, they noticed it and they haven't repeated their proposal and they haven't built for their proposal. Or maybe bureaucrats on a higher level told them, oh, don't do that, don't do that. But that's what has to be done and what we are arguing for in the unions, that the unions play an independent role and organize the workers on a class base against the right wing. And if you go as a union activist in many factories, and if you go and talk and, and agitate against the AFD, you won't immediately convince all the workers. There might be a lot of workers saying, oh, they aren't that bad. They are anti-establishment like you would have with Trump supporters in, in factories in the USA and workplaces uh, there. But if you are then, if you have a program and if you really have some patience with these colleagues, you can maybe not convince all at the very beginning, but you can sow some uh, doubt amongst them and maybe bring them not to vote for the AFD, not to support them, or at least be open for arguments. So this is really crucial, a social program and a class base of the resistance. Because just let me tell you one minute what happens if we don't do that. If the demonstrations are being seen by the AFD supporters, by frustrated people who fear all the coming years what will happen to us as 
the left liberal establishment is mobilizing against us is to divert from their catastrophic governmental policies, then you won't convince them. You won't reach out to them. It may even harden them if they see all these hated political figures on the demos uh, saying definitely contradictory and hypocritical stuff. Yeah, I think that's a very fundamental point without which we won't be able to figure out what is the actual solution to this whole crisis. And as you said, at the center of all of this is the need for a real social program, or in other words, what we would say demands for working people to get organized around, build movements around that will actually succeed in, as you're saying, Klaus, building working class unity or unity on a working class basis that can overcome the divisions between who's native born, who's an immigrant, who's white, who's a person of color, and so on and so forth. And so just to share with our viewers, similar to what uh, Klaus and other socialists in Germany are calling for in the United States, Socialist Alternative is calling for immediate and full citizenship of all foreign-born workers living here, an end to all deportations, detentions, ICE raids, and border militarization. But as Klaus was explaining, Unlike a lot of the U.S. left and liberal activist organizations who merely just uh, talk about uh, the need to be in solidarity with immigrants on a sort of a moralistic basis and sort of shaming working people if they don't support them without really providing an actual program of demands that working people can fight around in unity with immigrants, unlike them, we provide what we would call a materialist position, meaning an understanding of why this crisis exists in the first place, understanding the frustration of people like AFD supporters in Germany, working people, people in the United States who support Trump, not because they are entrenched deeply in right-wing ideology to the point that they will never come back, but more out of just feeling like no establishment parties care about the fact that they have such cratering living standards. They have, no, like in the United States, no access to health care, uh, crumbling public school system, a uh, real crisis of joblessness and hopelessness for young people in many cities. So all of these frustrations have to be channeled into a united working class program. And unless that's done, then you see where even though there is historic anger against AFD, it still remains uh, only a few percentage points knocked down uh, despite those protests. And in the United States, Trumpism has been on the rise despite working people being progressive on practically every major issue, whether it is taxing the rich or for Medicare for all. And so that's why I think it's important for us to call for working class unity and show that anti-immigrant policies will be used to undermine native-born workers unless we counterpose it with demands and to win demands like taxing the rich to fund the needs of working people. But all of this, Klaus, brings us to a very important, again, a very fundamental question. What is the root cause of all of these problems? I mean, just to explain from the US context, the liberal corporate media here tries to blame working people for being angry at Biden and the Democrats uh, and being desperate for an alternative, whether it's the right-wing Trump or populist figures like RFK Jr., who himself has many right-wing positions, including his staunch support for the Israeli state's war on Gaza, despite the fact that the majority is actually opposed, a major, majority of working and young people are opposed to this war. 
So, I mean, I think uh, we probably agree that none of these are real alternatives, as you've already explained, any more than the AfD in Germany is. So as a socialist, what is the connection, do you think, between the global crisis of capitalism and these developments of right-wing, the right-wing in Germany and internationally? Yeah, there's a strong connection, like on every level, economic, social, and also ideological. Like in Germany, what we see is a, or we are still in the beginning of a huge crisis of German capitalism. So the model of German capitalism was for a time being, for a long, for a long period, to do business with everybody, to be uh, like reluctant on military, but go for economic, like conquering uh, markets. And um, we got this cheap uh, energy from Russia, sold the cars to the Chinese, to the Americans, and so on. And that worked in the period of neoliberal globalization. And uh, the Euro crisis, uh, which started in 2008, uh, hit like the peripheral countries like Portugal, Greece, Spain, Ireland quite hard. But Germany was a winner of it. Uh, at least the German capitalist class and the German proletariat wasn't the real user, a uh, loser uh, in, in that crisis. But this has changed with a new Cold War, with the existence of different blocks, because cheap gas from Russia is gone, energy costs more, and uh, there's more and more like uh, um, doubts whether we can sell all these goods from German factories all around the world. And it's not a conjunctural, uh, it's a structural crisis of German capitalism. And this leads on an, on an ideological level to all kind of like uh, nationalist, racist ideas. And basically the right-wing populists, they exist on the base of fear. And at this moment in time, and there might be a bit of a difference to the US, I don't know that much, um, the AFD don't get the, the votes or the support of the very poor. They don't get the votes of those who still lost in the competition. They, they get the votes of those who fear they will lose in the next years. They will lose their jobs. They will lose their income because... Um, People see the the world is getting quite insecure. There will be more economic competition. There will be more uh, conflicts between states, more wars. And people who are a bit of realistic will know that the climate catastrophe will definitely mean more refugees. And if you don't have a socialist solution and a, a real alternative to all these interconnected multiple crises of modern capitalism, to the question of imperialist competition and wars, to the climate catastrophe, you and you only have like your liberal idea of, yeah, we try to cope with it, and uh, um, yeah, we have to militarize, but uh, we don't want to be openly racist, and so you're losing ground, and that means. There's enormous space for the for the right wing populist and even fascist ideas, and uh, at the same time, the bourgeois party, especially the Christian Democrats, they are going in the same direction because uh, our problem in Germany is not that only that the AfD has become strong, but that all parties went to the right, 
and especially the Christian Democrats, a conservative party in Germany, they are on the ideological offensive against, against climate protection. They are in a strong offensive against women's rights. Like they are the ones who are pursuing the anti-feminist backlash which, on which the AFD can build. And so we can see um, on all levels uh, a crisis of capitalism developing. And you need to have big answers like a clear program, which means you cannot just reform this and that. You have to do bold steps. You have to change all of the economy, have to take it into public ownership to build a climate-friendly um, and a sustainable economy uh, to secure the jobs and the wages of the working class and to have like international cooperation and instead of f fortress Europe and border controls and uh, the division on a national, religious and so on basis. Uh, thanks so much, Klaus. Yeah, that is very, very helpful. One, one thing that you had touched on earlier, I wanted to connect that to what you just said, which is the question of the role of the labor movement and working class people organized as union members and the power of strike action. All these, um, all these uh, next steps that you were outlining for what the movement should do to solve these problems, what do you think is the role of the labor movement in all this? And uh, can you focus on the what we believe that, that history has shown, the pivotal role of the working class as the force that can change society? And within that, the role of the strike action and bringing the capitalist machine to a standstill in order to force change? Yeah, that was for some years more of a theoretical question because we had a, a, a lull in class struggle in the years before uh, the pandemic and in the pandemic. And in a way, uh, um, since 2022, the working class is back. It's still, it's limited, but we have seen uh, development of very important strikes, partly in the public transport sector with some rail strikes on a national level and local uh, public transport strikes. We've seen an important development in the hospitals where workers in two federal states went on strikes for better working conditions to make sure that more uh, workers are employed in the, in the hospital to, to do the work better. And one of these strikes, it, it lasted 11 weeks. It ended with a compromise, but the idea that the workers define what is necessary at their workplace and to make the work better for the, for, the, for the people being in the hospital and for the workers themselves is a very important one. And we have a debate in the climate movement in Germany, which is also very important, that the climate movement only can win if it, uh, if it unites with the working class, because the, those are the ones who really produce the wealth of society. And those are the ones who can, who can change society, like, if you take a uh, German industry, it's pure madness that they build all these heavy weight, fast cars to, uh, to burn gas. It's, but we have an enormous potential in these factories with all these skilled workers, engineers, technicians, so on, to really change production to a climate-friendly production 
based like on public transport and all the necessary stuff for, for a climate friendly, sustainable uh, society. So it cannot be forced from outside. But if we re reach out to the working class in these factory and uh, they get active, they can not only go on strike, but they can like take over production and by occupying the factories and show who's, who can be the real master of society. And that's also true for the movement against the right wing. If the workers are active in the workplace, they see part kind of automatically that there are no barriers between them. They have all the same social interests. They work for the same company wherever the workers come from or what their, their ethnic or religious background is. So we can uh, reach unity not on more, not only on moral grounds that we all should live nicely together, but unity on the ground that we have to cooperate and we are all the same. So in a kind of em embryonic way, we have seen also over the last years the necessity and the central uh, um, position of the organized working class uh, because of its position in production and services and so on. I think that was a great explanation. It's so clear that it's absolutely fundamental to build um, working class unity, as we've been talking about, to push back against the divide and rule tactics of the capitalist system. I think, you know, one question kind of based off of that that I was thinking about is, uh, why do you think that this movement uh, needs to be an international one? Yeah, because the problem itself is international. We have now common features in all countries. US and German politics are very, very different. They still are very different in detail, but even there we can see the, the common features. We can see the, the, um, the impasse that uh, the normal bourgeois parties, the, the liberals are in. We can see the weakness of the left, uh, the rise of the right, and the potential power of the industrial working class or the working class uh, as a whole which is but but it's still being blocked because there's no clear left alternative I, we can see this in italy with the meloni government we can see this uh in france with the the rise of uh, le pen in the us in germany and in in i think basically in every developed or half developed capitalist country or if you take argentina with Millet. So um, the reformists, Peronists, they haven't delivered. And people are absolutely desperate and more desperate than in the US and, and in Germany. And they voted for this mad right winger. But there will be a backlash against it. There will be the workers organizing against these attacks. And yeah, that's an international phenomena. And I think we are not yet in the position to have like a coordinated international struggle, but we are in a position where workers all around the world, which through media can follow all these events, uh, will see uh, and will be uh, like inspired by resistance in other countries and by models of how resistance can be organized. So, yeah, it's it's an international question and also only the questions of like climate catastrophe and looming wars make it turn it into an international one. Yeah, that's very important because as you explained, Klaus, the crisis is international 
So the movement of the working class to fight back and actually change society to deal with and end these problems like the climate crisis, like the immigration and refugee crisis, also has to be international and global. And in fact, right now we are seeing uh, real protests against the Israeli state's war on Gaza on multiple continents. And it is an international anti-war movement, which is very, very, it's a very important development. And it also at the same time poses a crucial question, just like the ones we've, talking, we've been talking about for Germany, which is what is the way forward for the movement? What is the actual, uh, uh, what, what can these global anti-war protests actually do in order to stop the war on Gaza? Obviously, we can't delve into that in this episode, but it really uh, shows that the starting point for all of this change has to be international working class struggle with union members and the labor movement playing a crucial role in addressing it. And in fact, you touched on other, another very important point, which is for movements of the working class to also have our own political organizations. We're seeing not only the uh, good old establishment parties completely betraying working people, but we're seeing parties like the Left Party or the Linke in Germany and uh, the so-called Left Parties in so many other countries also completely failing to provide a way forward, provide a solution away from just the complete crisis of capitalism, which is why Worker Strike Back is also very importantly calling for a new party for working people in the United States. Thank you so much, Klaus, for joining us. I think this has been a fantastic discussion. Um, and uh, just want to remind our viewers, if you're watching, don't forget to hit like and subscribe to this channel. Yeah, thank you for listening to me and for inviting me. On Strike is a production of Worker Strike Back, a nationwide organization fighting on working class demands like a $25 an hour minimum wage, union jobs, Medicare for all, and against discrimination and oppression. Worker Strike Back is also calling for a new party for working people because neither the Republican Party nor the Democratic Party represents us. Find out more at workerstrikeback.org and donate, and look for us on Patreon to support our work. On Strike is a broadcast entirely for working people, funded entirely by working people. Solidarity.